Harry Butthole Podcast is produced in partnership with Joy Sauce. Harry Butthole. Welcome to Harry Butthole Podcast. This is a podcast based on the Korean saying, if you laugh while crying, hair will grow out of your butthole. Every week I have a guest on to tell a sad story and then we laugh about it in a very Korean way, I guess. Or th- that's not even Korean. That's just, I don't know, childhood trauma way. I have no idea why, why I'm doing this. Um, but this week <laughs> I have a very, very amazing guest. This is somebody that I met through social media and I was very inspired by their social media presence. And I wanted to ask them about that because they have a very serious day job, a real day job that, you know, I always feel like people who have like a social media presence and an important job. I'm like, whoa, that's like, you are brave. Cause like, what if you, what if you're one of those people that drunk tweet and then, you know, you're fired, but (laughs) So I, it's an extra level of braveness, I think, for people who have like a real important job to do a social media thing. But without further ado, everyone, this week's guest is the director of federal relations for the city of Boston and the mayor, Michelle Wu. I told you it's a fucking real job. Please give us your ears for Samuel Hyun. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so I know it's so it's so like. Uh, I think in Korean they call it sonrongae, like yeah. what now? What? Yeah, it takes the wind out of our sails. But thank you so much for being here. I'm very excited to be here. I feel like you're someone who I like one of the absolute favorite people on the internet. There's so many things I like just listen to or watch, and I just like die laughing. I send it to like my sisters and like my mom even, and so I'm just excited to be on the Harry Butthole podcast. Um, I say that loud and proud <laughs> and with my whole chest. So ready to get into it? Yes. Oh my god! You send it to your mom. What did you oh, send yeah. to your mom? I think I, I, I definitely the Squid Game stuff, but I think also just a lot of stuff when you're making fun of people and yeah, I feel she. My mom has a has a hilarious sense of humor, so she dies laughing. Oh my god! Wow, you are brave. You're sending you're sending comedy videos to your mom. I don't know. I I feel like I'm too scared to send my own videos to my mom. So she also like <laughs> cracks her own like cracks herself up. Like well like crack jokes and like laugh at them like hysterically in public (laughs) you know my mom just doesn't care about what other people think yeah she's very yeah she's very different than i think a lot of what people stereotypically think of korean mothers to be that's so funny because i feel like my mom is also like that but then i know a bunch of korean moms that are like that you know the chaotic korean moms chaos Right, the I don't I don't know if your mom drinks, but like they'll just be drinking soju, and it'll be like eleven a.m. and they'll be like laughing with each other. <laughs> she doesn't really drink. Yeah, I've been I've been uh, getting her. Uh, she's a uh, she does like her wine now, and uh, if it's if it's nice, she'll drink it. But she's not a big drinker. Mm-hmm. But uh, but she loves a good time, and she loves to like just make jokes and laugh at them and tell me I'm not funny, which I know I'm not. So. <laughs> <laughs> she just tells you that you're not funny. Yeah, she just what? tells me I'm not funny. <laughs> like, just randomly be like, like Hoshina, na I'm like, okay. <laughs> You'll just be like sitting there, like eating lunch, and she's like, you know what? You're not funny. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. While basically. sheesus laughing at her own jokes. Yeah. That's how it that works. So... <laughs> It's like the most like Wait. Korean shit. Like... <laughs> <laughs> well, is your dad funny? Oh, no. no absolutely not uh he thinks he's funny oh god he is yeah korean men we uh you know i I feel like part of it is we've been told that you know we're we're so incredible at everything we do (laughs) like when we ain't shit so like yeah um uh i've definitely definitely been a a a victim of that myself so like i think like as i've gotten older like oh shit like yeah we we were god's gift to earth You never had to like work for a personality. You're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm the shit. Uh, well, no, I, I, I would say like I think growing up in a predominantly white neighborhood, like I definitely had to develop a personality. You know, the amount right. of times like 
but within my own household, I think was like, you know, right. I was like, my sister's like, fuck you. <laughs> like, it's so much easier than me. Right, right. For instance, like she would get grounded and I wouldn't. Or like my grounding was like, I would get like, I'm so disappointed in you. Sad Which face. Which is worse than being grounded, I think. That's like devastating. Well, no, no. My sister got both. So, like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay, that's not fair then. That's not fair. One. It's one exactly. or the other. <laughs> and, and, and my mom is progressive. So like it's, you know, no one's perfect. That's so funny. I just love that your mom like makes jokes and just laughs by herself at the jokes. I stare at all the time and loves sending me selfies. <gasps> oh my God. My mom sends me selfies and they're so <laughs> Sorry. They're so chaotic. First of all, the full blown face of makeup. I don't know if that's what your mom does. Full blown like face of makeup, like uh, a lot, of, lots of blush, like, has her hair blown out and then sends me like those selfies. Yeah, my mom's not a big makeup person, but uh, she was uh, dog sitting my friend's dog yesterday. So she's a laundromat. And all of a sudden, my phone starts like blowing up like three text messages in a row. And like the first is like just a selfie of her. The second one (laughs) is a selfie of her and the dog underneath the table where she made a little bed for the for the for the golden doodle. And then a picture of the just a golden doodle. No context, just pictures. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, you're having a good time. Got it. Understood. That is that is Korean mom text speak for I'm having a great time. She's just loving it. There's a narrative arc there. I, I can see. I can pick up what she's putting down, I think. Yeah. And um, I think so I'm just I, too yeah. mushke to like understand it, you know? So it's like. You're just not funny. I'm, I'm, you're I'm not, not funny. funny. I'm too <laughs> ignorant. <laughs> so. Yeah. If you were funny, you would get it. Yeah, exactly. This is my fault. It, it is your fault. She's disappointed in you. You're not. You're, she was doing a bit, and you weren't like getting exactly work off her. See, bit. you know. Okay, so it's not ran, her randomly telling me like now oh, I that realize you're not funny. Yeah, now yeah, I yeah, realize yeah. it's, it's not like random. moments. Yeah. It's moments when you're dropping the ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be better, um, mom. mom. I'll be better. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, I really love like my mom's humor. I like Korean humor. I think it's. I feel like it's really affected me in a lot of ways, and then maybe you know like my humor. And I also do feel like, you know, obviously you feel the same way because you grew up like between like two cultures. You said you grew up. Did you grow up in Boston? Yeah, I grew up in a suburb like 15 minutes outside. Right. And it was like mostly white people. But, yeah. you know, like just like toggling between your family and that community. It's such a, um advantage to like understand these like two cultures because I feel like I use that all the time for my advantage in my comedy career like I use like my mom's style of humor which is like super fresh feeling I think for a lot of Americans because they like it's new to them and I like infuse that into like this humor that I picked up just by living in the states and doing stand-up here do you know what I mean yeah I feel like what I appreciate about your comedy too is like you're not catering to white people. You're just literally making comedy and like unapologetically like yourself about it, which is like, I feel like there's like that whole idea of, you know, there's not a market for Asian Americans. Like, you know, like it's like, that's complete and utter bullshit. It's just, you didn't give a shit enough to do it and you don't understand it and it makes you uncomfortable. So you don't, therefore you don't put the effort into it, but like we're the fastest growing racial demographic in the country and people also genuinely appreciate and understand Asian culture. So, well, thank you for saying that, but I think what I appreciate so much, and I think a lot of Asian American creative people and just in any, any field are like starting to realize that we have this like huge advantage. Cause we are like, we know like these two cultures really well. And there's like so, so much that we can gain by infusing parts of our, other culture to the other um where people who don't have that advantage it will seem very fresh and new to them yeah Um, yeah for sure yeah so that's you know hence the name of this podcast hairy butthole and it's like i'm bringing this like korean saying to the masses of america but um i wanted to ask you actually about what i was kind of touching on up top you know like you have this job it's like a real job (laughs) i wouldn't know how that feels um but so you have this like job and it's it is a very serious job. It's in politics and you do have the social media presence. What is that like? Does it is it kind of scary sometimes? Like has anything like negative happened? Or- oh, for sure. And it is nothing to do with like me catching heat for it. Like if I do something stupid, you know, and I'm the only one that's impacted by it, then like so be it. Right. I should be yeah. held accountable. I should have to bear responsibility for it. All good. But I think it's like the fear for me comes in when it's it's, you know, it could impact the mayor and it could impact the people that 
you know, are depending on me. I think that's where mm-hmm. I, I start, you know, I'm much more, I think just like aware of like how and what I say, um, how I move on social media. Right. But at the same time, like I've known the mayor for almost 10 years. She knew exactly who she was hiring and she's never indicated to me that she wants me to be anything other than myself. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think I, I just change a little bit just from maturing a little bit, you know, hopefully. Right. But at the same time, like, you know, I, I got to where I got to by being who I am. And I, and I don't plan on changing that. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that just like me seeing your content, a lot of people, I mean, there are times I think for me that I've totally misstepped, but because I think comedy is a little different than, you know, like the kind of content that you make, but like comedy is a little bit more edgier. And like, I'm always like sort of like teetering on this like line of like, appropriate and you know like it's like I have to sort of push that a lot but there have been times where I've missed that but also I think that I like have this trust in who I am and like I kind of hear this like from your answer it's like I know my beliefs my core belief systems like I'm very solid with what those are and I trust myself that I will display those when I you know present myself on social media so that takes a a lot of like the fear away if that makes sense yeah yeah because I feel like do you feel that way like you like totally know like your core belief system and your value system so you know that the content you make will follow through with that I I think it I think in the beginning you know when I was kind of naive about you know social media I did Mm -hmm. and 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 then I got really comfortable and then you know, I made a mistake, you know, like I made a video mm. where I misspoke. And, you know, when I get hate comments or hate videos, when it's like misogynist or racist, you know, like that doesn't bother me. I My message got got through loud and clear, right? Like that's, it is what I'm, it's almost expected. I think it's when I make a video and I, and I, you know, hurt the communities I care about. That's yeah. when it really kind of just breaks me. Like that's the part that really hurts. Mm-hmm. You know, the subsequent like hate that comes from like you know people that you're 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 fighting for. Mm. You know, and and I've had to really work on number one, like being able to like remember like who I am and like understand that like like you were just talking about like understanding you know being so secure in your core values and what you stand for, mm-hmm. but also trying to figure out how do you like you know, make it right? How do you hold yourself accountable? How do you repair that harm? Also realize that sometimes, you know, the demands that people make of you, like either A, like they're just taking it out on you and it really has nothing to do with you at all. Mm -hmm. Or that like, just because someone states an opinion and and says that you're problematic doesn't mean that they're right and that you are. Right. And so it's like, all right, how do I surround myself with people who are going to give me honest answers? And like when I do, if if I am in the wrong, are going to tell me and let me know. Mm -hmm. But also like if I get in my head about it, because I am often very much in my head about it. Mm-hmm. Be able to pull me back out and be like, "Dude, you're you're overreacting." There's so many different ways that you criticism is like comes through on social media because there are, there are times where I'm just like, "Okay, I said okay, I fucked up. I'm sorry," and I'll be like, "Oh, right away, whatever. I'll like delete something." I, I'm like trying to. I feel like I like repressed all these memories because they're so terrifying. I'm trying to remember what I fucked up on. But I think one time I like wore like remember like in the I don't know how old you are. But like when I was like a teenager, like in the early aughts, like we would wear these like handkerchiefs like as T-shirts. And Mm -hmm. I bought one and I was like, look at this. It's like the stupid fucking handkerchief from blah, blah, blah. And somebody was like, oh, that's like this like like this native blah 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 design that's been appropriated you shouldn't wear that and I was like oh sorry you know I'm sure there's like worse example I've done so many horrible stupid things but like (laughs) that's like an example and I was like yeah I fucked up I'm sorry I didn't know that that's what that was and I won't wear it or whatever but then there's some sometimes where I'm just like no I'm right I'm right and like that you guys are wrong but there's like there's like a dog piling and then I'm just like I'm just gonna delete this because I'm so sick of like dealing with all of you but it's just like it's not really worth my time you know yeah well i i talk about this when i go in like some of the, the t- uh, speeches i've been giving is a lot what i've realized a lot of these people are just really hurt they're really yeah in a lot of pain and they want to be heard yeah you know it's like you can be right but wrong at the same time like you can be factually correct about everything yeah. But wrong in your delivery, wrong in your approach. And that goes, you know, in multiple directions. One, as a content creator, it can absolutely be be true for that. But also as a consumer, like, you know, you might be criticizing someone. Like, it was like the video where um, 
this, you know, Vietnamese girl got a DM being like, you need to change, you know, your username. And her name is, it's Grace Tran. Right, right. And it's like, and, and she's like, this is, re-, and, and the, the user, they were like, this is really triggering. Like, I can't believe this is so offensive. You're, you're using your being trans as a, you know, pro- it's like performative, whatever. And, and Grace was mm. like, that's my, literally my name. Yeah. Whatever. And it's like, you're wrong. <laughs> in this situation, you're wrong. Like, yeah, yeah. You sorry, are, you're you wrong. Incorrect. Yeah. You know, for myself, like someone was like, you know, I made a video. Literally, like this is like just straight facts. The Biden administration is mm-hmm. literally the most diverse administration in U.S. history. That is literally mm. like a, a fact. Yeah, I, that is all I said. Heaped no praise on them, <laughs> not a single yeah. word of praise. Yeah. Then come the comments. I knew you were problematic. You sell out, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh my God. Like, you know, and like at first yeah. I like, I was like, oh, this, and it was coming from, I, I think it was like a Korean American. Right. And I was like, oh, like at first it really hurt. And then I realized I was like, this person doesn't know me at all. Has no idea what I do behind the scenes. Has no idea. Like doesn't give a shit, obviously. Yeah. And it's not on me to then have to you know, curl up in a ball and anxiety all day. Right. Like hating myself when I literally just stated a fact out loud. Yeah. And you have to, I think with those situations, you have to see that there's something very, there's something going on with that person. And it's like, I feel compassionate towards that, but it's also like, it's not even on me to help you go through this and get through this. You know, it's like, I, if I know you're going to like, dump on me online but this is like not about that at all you know um and then you really yeah sorry no no i'm saying like it's and and i think that's one of the things i've definitely noticed on the internet is like a lot of uh, just dumping and projecting and like Mm -hmm. having to like have learned like to process through that and being like oh that really has nothing to do with me Mm -mm. and and so i don't even read the comments anymore like i'll post and i'll just like Literally, yeah. I'll hit the notification thing just to refresh it and then just like X out. And I'm like, I'm not reading this. This is like oh, too overwhelming. Even the positive comments, like, thank you. I appreciate it. I really do. But like, I just yeah. don't read the comments. You know what I'm wondering is like, what was your like goal with starting a social media presence? Because for me personally, you know, my area, well, it's shifted now. But like when I started engaging with like TikTok and really like posting on Instagram as like like a comedic personality instead of just like a personal platform, my goal was to like direct people into my other projects, right? Like my podcast and my stand up and blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's still in my head kind of like that's my goal. Like TikTok was never my oh, I'm going to become big on TikTok. That's the end. Like I was like, I'm going to gain an audience on TikTok and then funnel that into my other projects. Like what was your sort of like, I guess like your reasoning to start using TikTok? I actually refused to make a TikTok at first, right? Like I was like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to go on TikTok. I'm not going to do the dances, like none of that. <laughs> but it was really the start of, you know, the violence towards the Asian American community. And I was, you know, at that point affiliated with a group called I'm Not a Virus. And we had started a podcast, ironically. Mm. And to promote the podcast, that was why she was like, the comms director was like, you need to make a TikTok to direct people there. And then I kind of just fell in love with the content creating and realized like, oh, like my videos are are like getting through to people. Like, you know, a lot of the videos I was making at first were like a lot more educational and I had a couple then shift in motivations. One, I definitely want to shift the narrative of how Asian American men are perceived, not just like by other people, but ourselves. Like, how do we like individually mm-hmm. perceive ourselves too? I wanted to be like very unapologetically Asian American, like as a cishet dude, like, you know, I, do, I want us to have that narrative shift because that anger that like so many Asian American men carry that we then project Mm -hmm. onto the women. Mm -hmm. I felt like I know I'm not going to be able to like, you know, change everybody's hearts and minds, but like if I can at least get to get through to some of them, right? Like, yeah, I want to at least give it a shot. The other motivating factor was like, you know, understanding that to build solidarity with different communities, like you have to continuously show up and like, and vocalize it. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the feedback that I heard, you know, like specifically from the black community was like, we just don't hear the support coming from the Asian community. Mm-hmm. Now, I have absolutely no right or do I pretend to speak for the whole community? Mm-hmm. 
but at least like if they heard one voice right and consistently like that you know me saying and doing it then i was hoping that that would at least open up some hearts to wanting to understand the asian american community more right so i just had several different factors and motivating motivating things that you know as i progressed well you know when you were saying that i was like actually i think that's like one of the reasons why i really like your content because i obviously agree with you on so many you know of like your stances and you're right like it's so rare to see asian men speak out about the issues in our own communities with uh, you know other asian men and how asian men perceive themselves and it's like yeah, I'm like, I feel like your voice and your stance is like so desperately needed because the other, unfortunately, like online, the other perspective from Asian men is just very, very visible. And that's like what we're seeing. And it, but obviously, that's not all Asian men think alike and think in that way. That's very harmful. And it's like, it is very important, I think, for people like you, Asian men, you know, like you to speak out and have a platform. Yeah. And, and like, you know, I know that there's a whole, you know, Reddit thread. <laughs> of those of those types of folks that like fucking hate me right like yeah it's always it's always fun when someone like hey do you know about this reddit like yes but even if i wasn't like why would you like why is that the like the first thought? Like, let me send this to sam what so if you has, didn't so it's like so <laughs> it's like, like also it's like so oh so you want me to read it now like like thank you <laughs> what if you're like what reddit thread what and then you're like looking at it like no yeah. Like, yeah. I remember reading it and I was just like like I, I see where they're coming from. Like I do, like right, like and yeah. I'll all I read is like just a lot of just pain. And so mm -hmm. and one thing I definitely try to practice and like I'm not I'm not perfect at this, but like is I try to remove myself from the center of anything and everything that I do. Mm. And that allows me to take things less personally. Mm. And so when I'm able to kind of look at it from that point of view then I'm like, oh, like, this person is just really hurt. I literally did nothing to them, right? Like, I didn't call them out. I didn't, like, but for whatever reason, something about me or what I said triggered them to the point of, like, they're lashing out at me. Yeah. So I just, I, I try to just understand people because I've gotten to a place in my life where I have the bandwidth. I have gone through my healing process and like I have the emotional bandwidth to do it, mm -hmm. which also I have to remind myself that not everyone is there either. And it takes people different time and different pathways. And I have to also understand that. Very similarly, like for me, when I see like, you know, you brought this up, like the pain, like Asian men experience. And, and I feel like there's like a certain amount of enlightening that has to happen where you realize where it's coming from. You know, obviously, like this is a country that like treats Asian men very poorly. And we know that we're who is doing that to Asian men, right? But for some reason, it gets like misdirected at other people where like maybe Asian women or like other minority groups like black people and, and like a lot of Asian men like misdirect their anger at people that are like marginalized like they are. But similarly, when I see these groups of people interacting online and seeing all these horrible misogynistic things about Asian women, it's so hard for me to be angry because I can see the pain and I'm like, I just feel so bad for them. And I think, you know, like what you said, it's like whatever they're saying, I'm like, oh, man, this is so harmful and this is so horrible. And I really wish that you guys weren't doing these horrible Reddit threads all the time. But like, I just feel like I can't help but just feel really bad for them, you know? Yeah. Not to like, obviously, I'm not like trying to like, because I know that compassion only works you know, it only takes the conversation so far, but like, and you know, they should be held accountable because they do horrible things and like they ruin so many people's lives online and a bunch of Asian women are always like targeted and, and attacked by them, which I think is like, like you would think that if you're a part of this like Asian man group and all you do is harass Asian women, like if something should click there, like what are we doing? But I don't know. But yeah, I do feel so sorry for them. That it's like so interesting. I'm I'm really glad that we're having this conversation. I think that I'm I'm really glad that you started doing like social media because yeah, like I just feel like when you were seeing that I'm just like I know that there are multiple other, you know, Asian men and Asian people that are doing content like yours, but it's like it is so 
so needed you know it's like it's just like a perspective that you're just not seeing and i think it's very important but i just want to get going because i know that we're gonna share our sad stories bring the vibes down catastrophically so i was gonna ask you about your sad story but i i usually like to share a story before just so you know to i i was gonna say to like break the ice but i don't even know if that if that makes sense in this scenario so i don't have a sad story but i have like this kind of funny story but i'm like really excited about it because I don't know if you heard you know like this like a few days ago they had this some some dum-dum like this is kind of along the veins of what we're talking about but like some dum-dum like put together this like huge list for Twitter that are like Antifa accounts and they're like we're gonna like get them all banned on Twitter but it's just like a really sloppily put together list has like thousands of people on it and it's like Obviously, it's impossible for these right wing people to try to like <laughs> mass report any of them because there's 5000 accounts, you know, but I got on the list and I was like, yes, but I was like, why am I on the list? Because <laughs> like, you're obviously political. Antifa, obviously, but I was like, how did I get I like literally never tweet anything political. But then I saw like this actual person that's like Antifa and they were like, oh, by the way, the the how they compiled the list is they went to our accounts and just tagged everybody that we follow. It's just like if some random Antifa person followed me. So now I'm on the list with Cardi B. Like it's all these like random. Do you know what I mean? It's just like the most sloppily oh put together God. list in the world. But I feel very proud about this. I feel like this is the biggest accomplishment of my life. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge honor. You're on the list with Cardi B. Right. That basically means you are Cardi B. Basically. I'm going to the Billboard Awards next year. Yep. That's how it works. <laughs> but it's also just like, I'm like, ooh, I feel like this is like 1955 and I'm on that like HUAC, like, you know, like the, the communist, <laughs> like me and <laughs> me and Salinger. You know what I mean? I'm like, ooh, I'm like the cool kids club of like Hollywood. Hollywood. Meanwhile, it's like some like some nerd in his mom's basement that just saw that like somebody was following me. But um, that's that's my that's my I guess sad story. And people were like, "What does it mean that we're on the list? Are we gonna get deleted?" And I was like, "I I hope so, because that is a good story." That's a great story, and like the direction that Twitter's headed is just it's embarrassing. I don't even know if there's a direction. Like I just think it's just. I've heard a couple different theories, like someone's like, Elon is trying to pull a Trump and bankrupt Twitter so he doesn't have to pay back the $44 billion. Like, they just have to actually pay. I'm like, no one actually knows what he's doing. I'm not even sure Elon knows. So, I, I don't know. Twitter's yeah. been a dumpster fire for a while. I think he's pulling a Trump in the sense that he has no idea what he's doing. But then when when something happens, he's going to take credit and and front like that was his plan all along. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, this is what I wanted to happen. Do you know what I mean? Sure you did. All you do is light 44 billion on fire. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was your plan. Yeah, the wheels are definitely popping off. Um. Anyway, that was my story. It's not very it's not very sad, but it is it is some it's something. Okay. It's it's something I enjoyed Let it. that sink in. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um, although, you know, this probably means that I am now Antifa. Oh, you're probably on the list. Oh, God, I, I hope not. You're definitely on the list. I feel like I'm, I, I actually don't understand this is like I'm only verified on Twitter. Mm -hmm. But that's where I have like by like a fraction of the following. <laughs> like, <laughs> I do not for the life of me understand how. The verification process works, whatever. I think t Twitter, like pre-Elon, was actually very good at like verification, like for people that work in this professional sphere. So it doesn't surprise me that you're verified on there. But now it just means that you have $8 to spare. <laughs> yeah, and this whole, I don't even know what he's doing. Bless his soul. I don't know. And I, I, I don't really like feel bad for him. So it's like, what, I don't know. But I will tell, I, I was... I was actually thinking long and hard about my sad story and like uh -huh. I'll give two. I'll give like a, a, you know, a little teaser, you know. A warm up sad story. I like it. Yeah. 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 I was going out to dinner last night for my, uh, for my birthday. I just turned 31. Clap. You know, you, got, you can all clap for me. Congrats. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I feel all of 31. 
So for those who are listening, you know you should absolutely be clapping for me. <laughs> Just gonna throw that out there. Big your mom energy. Clap for my birthday. <laughs> I am Everyone my clap for my birthday. I am my mother's son. Uh, so. <laughs> Except not funny. <laughs> no, definitely not funny. Um, oh, my sisters tell me that too. My sisters love to tell me I'm not funny. So, yeah, I think my family loves me. I think so. So so we're going to dinner and we're taking my friend's dog. Dumpling is is the dog's name. Uh, the owner is Asian, so it's not, you know, it's not racist. Okay. And Dumpling I, I is a... I knew a, that they were Asian. <laughs> it's either dumpling or mochi or taro or natto <laughs> or kimchi. <laughs> yeah, maybe tonkatsu every once in a while. Tonkatsu, <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> My um, I, I do know a nori. Nori is pretty good too. Oh, um, nori, it, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that could be anything, right? How it could, could be just like nori, as in like the seaweed, or it could be noriega, right? So, nice. um, yeah, I like that. <laughs> it's very, very different. But so, so we're 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 crossing the street. The golden doodle dumpling freaks out and I'm trying not to like stomp on dumpling. <laughs> yeah. And so then I take a tumble. I'm like in the middle, like there's like a, like a freeway and like all the cars, everybody's like, like the lights are on me. It's just me and the dog crossing. And I just did this whole like tumble and I fucked up my knee. <laughs> now yeah. I like can't like really walk, you know? So that's my pathetic story. Uh, I don't know about sad story. That's my pathetic story. Okay. And then my sad story, I mean, I guess it's like, you know, how a lot of people, it's not a very extraordinary story, but like, you know, my, my parents got divorced, you know, so my, but I was the one to kick my dad out of the house. So, um, yeah. So essentially my, you know, long story short, my parents were arranged marriage. Um, it was an arranged marriage. My dad was previously married and then my mom was about 30 years old in Korea at the time mm-hmm. and she didn't want to – she wanted to get married and didn't want to raise her family in a misogynistic, nepotistic society, which is South Korea. Mm-hmm. So her brilliant idea was to move to the United States, <laughs> the land of, of opportunity <laughs> with – you know, um, the land of freedom and and um, rid of all of these isms. Um, my her aunt was like, "Oh, I know this like you know single, tall, handsome, charismatic guy." Yeah. So like, exchange some pigeons. Uh, you know, send some. You know, th- that was a that was a joke. That was funny. You know, they exchanged some letters. Oh, that was a joke. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They exchanged some letters. Like, I thought that was just a saying. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, Wait, what, is this Korean Sorry. or English saying? Um, no, no, but they exchanged some letters. Um, my mom was like, "Oh, you know, cool. Like, you know, let's go on a couple dates." So they went on a couple dates in Korea. So good enough. Yeah. Let's get married. And then she moved with him to the United States. Moved to Boston. Uh, you know, mm. of course, you know, only moving to a larger country that is more misogynistic patriarchal racist nepotistic right all all of the, yeah. all the good stuff and uh mm-hmm. so yeah you know they tried to make it work uh, i will be honest i you know i both my parents absolutely love their kids i don't mm-hmm. i don't doubt that at all you know but mm-hmm. i think my dad's story is like the tragic story of so many immigrant men which is like they moved to this country in their late 20s you know as their adults mm-hmm. they're promised mm-hmm all of these opportunities and they're coming from communities and cultures in which, you know, men are supposed to be providers, right? There's this like very, very like strong expectation that you have to quote unquote succeed. Mm -hmm. My dad, you know, growing up was, you know, really good athlete. You know, this is all like stuff that I've been told by my family apparently. So like, I don't know. I can't verify any of this. Um, I do know he's tall. I do know he was good looking. I do know he was charismatic. Uh, whether mm-hmm. or not he was actually good in school, cannot verify that. Whether or not, like, you know, like, <laughs> all these things. Um, yeah. So he comes to this country and he's and he really wants to make a name for himself. He wants to be a CEO. He wants to, like, really, you know, achieve his wildest dreams. And and I think what so many of the immigrant, you know, men realize very quickly is, oh, shit, I was lied to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because so many of them think about capital in the sense of cash. But the mm-hmm. real capital in this country is knowledge of, and understanding of systems. Yep. And they're not a part of that system. They don't understand that yeah. system. They're not mm-hmm. you know, included or invited in. And so you quickly mm-hmm. realize, oh, my cap is way lower than I thought it was ever going to be. Yeah. And then the frustration starts to kick in. 
and then the disappointment and then you can't provide for your family the way that you want to you can't you're not the man that you you that you had, had dreamt of or had the pressure being put on you of being mm-hmm. and then you start getting blamed yeah and then you don't have the framework and understanding you know that to be able to express that how do you how to communicate how you're feeling you know to other people who do you lean on who do you go to you don't have that community or the permission to even feel that. Yep. And so the anger just starts like building and building and building. And so it wasn't that long ago that my, my dad was talking to one of my cousins and, and he told him, he was like, yeah, I felt like I was suffocating in that house. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's the feeling that so many immigrant men feel is they feel like they're suffocating in their own homes. Mm-hmm. And as much as I think they want to love their family and they want to provide for their family, like they realize that they can't. And you, how do you explain that to people that are depending on you? And the excuses or what it, what are seemingly sound like excuses just doesn't matter when the bills are piling up and your kids aren't able to do the same things that other kids are able to do. Mm. So me not being a parent, I don't understand this, but I can only imagine as a parent like how debilitating that must feel um a lot of the anger and the sadness that i felt towards my dad when i was younger Mm -hmm. uh, over time has become really just i feel really bad and Mm. and i empathize and i understand it doesn't excuse walking out on your family it doesn't excuse not providing and and figuring out a way right but at the same time yeah i need i for me I think I was like, I need to understand this so I can forgive you for my own healing and so that I don't make those same mistakes. Right. And what's the timeline of all, like you said that he like walked out on your family. Like when did that happen? When I was like 14, 15. Mm. And it was caused by this like financial hardship where he couldn't feel like he was providing. Oh, for sure. For sure. Okay. And like, I, th- you know, like I love my, my mom's amazing. You know, but I think Mm -hmm. even in her own like frustration, like a lot of it was like her wanting him to do it her way and him wanting Mm -hmm. it to do it his way. And and I think like, you know, so like so many of our parents before, like they don't like a lot of the frameworks that we're learning now. Mm -hmm. How do you communicate in a health more of a healthy way? How do you, you know, like this is they were doing the best that they could and also like trying to like provide so I, like, I think for me, it's like it's so it's so much easier for me to be thinking about these things because like I don't have a kid yelling at me being like, feed me, you know, yeah. like and so I can think about this versus like my parents were just trying to like literally just fighting to see another day. Yeah. Well, and then what was their like, what was his job at that point? He had bounced around. So like he was mm. first working at a State Street Bank and like if he had just kept working the corporate ladder, he would have done well. Mm hmm. But he didn't see himself as a cog in the machine. He saw himself as the head of the machine. And so mm-hmm. was always trying to be that entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And so would just burn through my mom's savings and like, you know, quit his mm-hmm. job and had her quit her job. And they're like, we're, he's like, we're moving to Virginia and we're going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, then the company fell apart before he even started. And now they're both unemployed. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to start this. Korean massage like chimde bed you know company <laughs> in Lawrence which is like massively Dominican and like he doesn't <laughs> barely speaks any Spanish and like yeah. knows like three words of Portuguese and like, yeah, like yeah. you know yeah um so like that was my dad so you know this is so interesting to me because it really ties into the discussion that we were having earlier on about you know us seeing these like asian men and feeling compassionate towards them you know when we see these like sort of like toxic asian men and all their anger and their misdirected anger at their own community um and how we feel compassionate towards them and i think it's important because i i like I said, you know, when we were talking about it earlier, I also feel the same way. Like, I feel very compassionate towards your dad and like any like Asian man like that came to this country back then because there are all these like invisible systems that you just don't know until you get here. Like, you know, a Korean man growing up in Korea, you are like, you're a man, you can do whatever you want. And if you, if you work hard, you're going to be the top of this. And especially back back in those days you know we ha- we know so many of korean people of our 
parents generation that became millionaires you know and they like grew up in you know without shoes literally right and then you come here and it's it's like you're an asian man and white people see you as less than and it's this humiliation right that they they weren't they weren't prepared for and you're you know you are um very similar to the people that we were talking about earlier like asian men today online who are like sort of attacking everyone you are like dehumanized and like demasculinated is that a word emasculated emasculated Emasculated. and that's like very hard especially when you're coming from you know like this patriarchal like misogynistic society like korea where you're just like i'm a man you know like that like that's that's like yes it's toxic but to have that taken away is like extremely it's like that's your thing you know and i i very much the same feel compassionate towards asian men but i also don't want to I don't want to forget to point out that when men falter and fail, the person who has to like do their job and fix everything are the women. And unfortunately, you know, I'm sure you witnessed firsthand what that meant for your mom. And I think, I think a lot of times I just want to make sure that I say I have compassion. I have compassion for these men, but I also I'm reserving a lot of compassion for the women that have to pick up the, pick up the pieces when the men disappear, you know? Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. Like your sister, you know, she said she's being told that she's, they're disappointed in her and she's getting grounded, you know, double whammy. And I feel yeah. like the women are, of these communities have that double whammy. Like, yeah, we are getting shit on and people are being racist towards us too. And then we got to like, Watch the kids because you left, you know? Well, um, this is why I'm a big believer that multiple things can be true at the same time, right? And, exactly. And yep. like, yeah. like, you can hold space for both, like, understanding that compassion, but also be like, yo, like, this is why you need to, like, get therapy and, like, heal and get exactly. your shit together so that you're not taking on the wrong people. And there's actually a Netflix show right now that I, like, absolutely love. And, like, I will be catching uh-huh. up on both episodes when we're done with this as I'm eating dinner. Um, yeah. It's Queen's Ambition. And the reason why I love that show is Korean historical dramas always fixate on the like the king, right? How hard mm-hmm. it was for the king, how like challenging it was to become the crown prince and then go on and be the king, which is all true. Like like to be able to go yes. like you're not just like born as a grand prince and then become a crown prince and then become it's not just this linear path of like you know it's incredibly political and treacherous and like you have your own family trying to kill you. Yeah. That's gotta fuck you up. You know, so it's not to take it away, but the part that's always shown is like the queen just kind of just rides and becomes a queen. And then like, it's just freeloading along the way, you know, just like, oh yeah, I'm just going to have some tea with the other concubines that like, you know, we have to share a husband with and like, oh yeah, I'm very happy. But like this show. Someone killed my oldest son. Like, I'm fine. uh, (laughs) I'll just pop out another one. Oops. (laughs) I'm not sad about that at all. (laughs) Yeah, I'll just yeah. I'll just take my concubine's first son and make him mine, and then like you know all is good in the world. Like, <laughs> no, like it's ridiculous. Yeah, but this yeah, show yeah. shows yeah. perspective of how difficult it is to be the queen. Oh, that's awesome! And it's like just how badass the queen is, and like yeah. the the king is like really really bright and like very tactical and like compassionate. But it just shows that like the queen is like so much more, and like how he real he knows and fully recognizes. That like he needs her more than she needs him. Mm, and, interesting. And so it's it's showing this complete other like side, which is like to me as I've grown older, like and it doesn't have to take away my pride of being who I am as a Korean mm-hmm. American man. Like it doesn't have to take away from that at all. No, but, not at all. But also yeah. recognizing like just how badass you know all the Korean women in my life are. Yeah. How do I honor them, love them, and like doing all that doesn't mean you know, just because I'm uplifting or like getting out of the way of women doesn't make me any less than. Mm-hmm. And so like understanding that and living that out and then hopefully um, other people can can kind of figure that out too. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, don't, I obviously you don't think this way, but I think a lot of people see see these like gender lines as in like a lot of men will be like not the fact that your mom is so strong and she like did all this and you're like her 
child like that's like that's your family and you can be proud of that and i because I, I feel like a lot of men like see these gender lines where they're like hate their mom no matter how well or good they are and they like admire their dad and i'm like you're a product of both people and you can be proud of your mom and feel like wow that's my parent and i'm probably i probably learned a lot from her strength you know what i mean um, but also I just want to say just to note, because I, I do, I really do think that people don't say this enough. Like, and I'm really glad that your story had to do with this. Asian men have it very, very hard in this country. And it's like, nobody has to hide that fact. And we don't have to like, I mean, obviously they were the ones that were like sort of hiding it. Cause it, it's like, they don't want to look feel victimized i think but like they have it really hard in this country they they really really do and it's just like i think it's it's very important that we talk about it more and be more compassionate towards towards it and it's absolutely not taking away from the fact that asian women had it just as hard or not harder and like we can make room for both of those like narratives and like the pain of both of those um it's like I totally agree. And I, and I think yeah. like people have a hard, like, especially when you're hurting so much, like people have a hard time holding multiple truths because yeah. it feels yeah. like if you're acknowledging some, someone else's truth, that it feels like it takes away from yours yeah, and it diminishes yours. And so what I found is a lot of people on the internet, they finally feel like they're being heard for the first time. But mm-hmm. my whole thing is like, you know, are you there you know, and I say this, whether it's people that are hurt on the internet or if policymaker, researcher, like just anybody in life in general, right? Like, are you there to be right? Or are you there to build? Mm. Like, what is more important to you? Are you there to be heard? Or are you there to be understood? And, and right. like, and so like, in all these ways, like asking yourself, like, why are you doing this? Like, what is it for? Who is it for? What is the purpose of it? And I think a lot of times for a lot of folks, like, especially on the internet when you have the veil of anonymity it's like you feel this sense of power for the first time mm. and it's like a kid who gets you know the key you know their permit for the first time and don't really know the speed yeah. limits or don't know consequences you know I, I not to be patronizing of a grown-ass adults but like quite frankly what i've noticed on the internet is like a lot of people just not knowing what to do when given an opportunity to to have a seat at the table when someone's listening they don't know what to do and then they're yeah. just like blah, 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 and i'm just like whoa yeah, exactly. Like when people are like saying really horrible, cruel things to me, sometimes I'll respond and then it'll immediately turn into like, nobody loves me. And I'm like, okay, like you're freaking out because someone's finally paying attention to you. And that's sad, you know? Yeah. Um, Wait, can I just ask one question about your story? You said that you were the one that had to kick your dad out. What, what like just physically, like what did... Yeah. Was, it, was that like, is that too personal? Sorry. No, nah, no, nah, all good. Okay. He, so like, I should probably add the caveat that he had his bags packed, right? Like, you know, because when I did kick him out, it was like one final fight. I was like, you need to go, you know, get out. Like, you need to go. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, are you, you really want me to leave? You really, I'll let, he's like, you really, you really want me to leave? And I was like, yeah, get out. Like, you need to go. And he's like, are you sure you really want me to leave? And I was like, yeah, get out. Like, we're done with you. Like, you know, and then he goes, okay. And he pulls out his like suitcases that are already packed and like just like at the door. And I'm like, what the? so dude, you were ready to go. Like you were just waiting for the cue. Like, you know, he I guess that was my first like introduction to politics. He played me, right? Like um, you, you want know? me to go and then I just see like him like pulling a string and like a hat and like a trench coat like <laughs> drops out and then the bag like falls into his hand as like an umbrella, like Mary Poppins. Ironically. The one thing he left me was his uh tr- was his Burberry trench coat. That was the one thing Ooh, that I was like, that's like way too big. It's from sick. like the eighties. So like when I put it on, it look I look like a creep. So I'm like, nah, that's worthless to me. So um, That is so fun. He forgot you know he was you know he was so fucking pissed when he realized yeah. he left a Burberry trench coat. He's like, God damn it. I can't go the back one for thing! it. <laughs> My Burberry trench coat, man. That's a Korean person's like numero uno possession yeah a burberry trench coat no not the two kids he left he forgot behind (laughs) (laughs) he's like i he's like calling your mom like can i come back she's like oh do you miss the kids like no i forgot my burberry trench coat (laughs) 
Honestly, I probably should. I I, I kind of want to call her after this and be like, "Amma, did did that call you like after about the code?" <laughs> you know he did. You know he did. Oh, uh, he was thinking about at least for like five years. He thought about that code. He had to. Have, like, you know he did. He was yeah, so bombed. Well, and then yeah. can I just ask like really quick because I know we're running out of time. Like, do how what's your relationship with your dad like now? We're fine. I went to Korea for the first time when I was like 27. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. And um, that's also a sad story. Um, essentially, like, you know, I, I was going to Korea, I reached out and I was like, hey, like, we I hadn't seen him face to face in almost 10 years. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I want to meet up, but there's conditions. Yeah. I'm going to say what I need to say uh-huh. and you're going to listen to every single word. And if you say anything, you cut me off. You say anything, I'm walking out. You're never hearing from me again. Mm. Like, I want to be very clear about this. Like, you want to you want to have a relationship with me. You want to have a shot at building a relationship with me. You have to abide by these rules. Otherwise, I'm out. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. he said, okay, I can do that. So we meet up and I have him meet us at the hotel on purpose. I don't know if this is like 27-year-old me getting into a pissing contest with my dad. But, um, you know, I was like, you're coming to me, buddy. Um, yeah. And then uh, and then we went off and we sat down. And and, and to his credit, like he, like, he almost cracked one time. And I, like, kind of looked at him. And he was like, all right. I said, okay, okay. And so to his credit, like, he did listen to everything I said. Mm. Um, and I, like, laid it all out on him. You know, it's like you need to apologize. Like I don't need your apology, but you need to apologize to mom. You need to apologize, you know, to my sisters and all that. Like like that's who you need to apologize to. Mm-hmm. I, he was receptive and and then I was like, "All right, I'm done, so I'm willing to listen to you." Mm-hmm. And so I heard his side of it, right? And I didn't like mm-hmm. everything that I heard, but like I thought it was important for me to listen. And at the end of it, I was like, you know, and I think that's also where I learned like when you're trying to get someone to hear you. Mhm you have to listen to them first, right? Like you have to make sure yeah. they feel like they're heard and understood. Otherwise, like why would they listen to a thing that you have to say, especially when it's contentious. Mm-hmm. So I learned that I think from that, that conversation, but also then afterwards I was like, you know, I, I, I forgive you. Um, but I want you to be very, very clear. Like I'm not forgiving you to absolve you of the things that you've done wrong, but I'm forgiving you so that I can heal and I can move on. Because I don't mm. want to carry this weight with me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I love you because, you know, you're my dad. You gave birth to me, right? Like, you you did raise me for, you know, the first half of my life. Yeah. So for that, I'm, I'm thankful. But I also want to be clear that any of, you know, whatever I accomplish in this world, that credit goes to mom. Right. I want to be very clear about that. You don't get to take credit for any of it. So we're good. We're fine. You know, he texted me on my birthday. I texted him back. Um you know, I check in on him mm. every once in a while. Just make sure he's healthy. What was his response to you saying stuff like did he have like a specific response or he was just like listening? He was listening, which is like very abnormal for her Korean <laughs> men. Um, <laughs> but I think it was like I think part of it is like one who maybe I, you know, my dad's not a bad person by any means. Like he's not like a malicious human being. I think again, like I think he was just really let didn't understand what being an immigrant man would mean and like also yeah. like just different time different frameworks different understanding of, of of social issues and yeah i i don't think this would necessarily you know work with every single korean man but i think i hope i hope there's enough of them who are willing yeah. to to listen and change I'm really glad you shared the story because I feel like this is a story that's probably going to resonate with so many people that have immigrant dads, um, you know, not just obviously Korean immigrant dads, but like any immigrant parent and, you know, like that sort of shifting of your social um, standing, you know, coming from one country to another that's like not anticipated whatsoever. And that really throws them for a loop, especially men. That's very relatable. But also, I wonder, because like, you know, when you first started telling the story, you stated it so perfectly, like you have such a deep emotional understanding of what was going on with your dad, right? You were like, he had so much anger and rage from coming from one society to another, expecting to be at the same sort of level and then dropping it in that level in the system in America. And a lot of confused anger and... Um, well like confusion and anger and like uh, 
all these like hurdles that he wasn't used to facing in his home country and that got internalized and turned you know against his family and blah 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 like yeah it's such a smart way of viewing it I always I always think this I wonder if you just said that like in that way to your dad like how he would respond yeah I'm gonna do it and then oh, you see how he, and then see how he responds I'll get back to you Okay, because it's like, because it's like so fascinating because it's like, yeah, as when we're looking at it from the outside, we know exactly what's going on. Do you know what I mean? We're like, we know why. It's almost like we have more compassion because we're like, we see them as the victims of this thing where even I'm assuming your dad to this day probably feels like I just didn't make enough money because I didn't try hard enough, you know? He does. And I'm like, no. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it's like, no, it's it's kind of like a shitty racist place. Well, like. I wonder how they would respond if they heard it laid out like that. I always wonder that. I've actually said that to my mom and my mom was like, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And she was like, like, she's like, I, I can see that, you know? And like, she, you know, she then like hesitated and was like at the same time. And I was like, no, no, don't worry, mom. That doesn't, I'm not excused. Like he absolutely yeah. should have. And she goes, okay. I'm not just excusing wanted, him. She's yeah, like, just yeah, wanted yeah. to make, just wanted to make sure that that was in there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I get it. Well, of course she gets it. Cause you know, like I think when you're not the person that's like the number one victim of the scenario, it's easy for you to see. like your mom can be like, Oh yeah, I can see how that happened to your dad, even though I'm mad at him. But yeah. if it's like your dad, like the person that it happened to, like there's so much hurt around that. But um, yeah, I always wondered about that. I guess for anyone listening, if if that sounds like, because I, I know that that sounds like so many people's dads right now. Like if it is, if that does sound like your dad, why don't, what if you just said that to your dad in that way? Let's all do that and see what how they react. <laughs> and I did say this actually to a group symposium, Korean American Youth Leader Symposium. And I said it in front of a bunch of parents um, and kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I gave both perspectives, right? Like I was, I, I told that perspective of like, the parents and why they push us to be doctors, lawyers, engineer, because like, you know, that's a very linear path of how do you, you know, become quote unquote, like successful in this country. But yeah. also like, you know, where a lot of the frustration comes from is like not knowing systems and how to help us. And like, I explained that, that story. And then on the flip side of it, I was like to the parents, like, but I want to be very clear. You also don't understand your kids. Right. And so mm-hmm. like when your kids are telling, talking to you about racism and what they experience, like, you have to listen to them because you've never actually gone through it in the way that they have. You may have experienced racism in your own existence in this country, but not to yeah. the same degree um, as your children. And like they're seeing so many different things happening. Yep. And so it was very interesting to see. I had a bunch of – it was mostly the moms that came up to me. Some of the dads mm-hmm. I think were processing it. Um, and I saw a lot of dads actually nodding their heads. Um, yeah. A lot of them were like nodding their heads when I was explaining that. But the moms came up to me and were like, thank you. So I, I think it does resonate. And I think yeah. maybe I verbalized it um, for a lot of a lot of the parents. No, yeah, I'm sure that a lot of dads will get it too. I didn't mean to be like, dads are stupid. But I, but I think like they have a lot harder time because I'm used to talking about my emotions, right, and feelings, mm-hmm. but they're mm-hmm. not, you know. And I had this conversation with my brother-in-law who's Jamaican and, and he had mm-hmm. the same – same sort of feeling towards it, you know, with his dad and like said the same shit. And like, he was like, yeah. And I said that he's like, yeah, that's definitely my dad. Yeah. Um, cool. I mean, that's why I said like people who have parents who are immigrants, like it doesn't matter where they're from. Our parents' generations like never process the emotional impact of like systems. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. That was like so interesting. I'm really excited that you are having these talks with people. That sounds like very... Um, I don't know healing might be too corny of a word but I feel like that's like very impactful and it's like that sounds very exciting that you're having these like conversations with these communities and like really reaching out to people that ben- that will benefit so much from hearing this perspective yeah I don't know I think I just want to you know Im- impact the world in a, in a positive way and like know that like I can't change the world by myself I'm not you know some superhuman savior Jesus you know like I'm just one dude in my apartment in Boston, you know, but yeah, if I can use my platform and, and use the opportunities when I have the microphone to make a difference and I want to, and I also want to be very clear, like I'm, you know, still growing. Like I'm reminded every day that I'm a dumbass, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and so yeah. 
you know, I'm not perfect and I will make mistakes, but um, I don't know. Just try to make the world a better place every day. Makes me happy. I definitely feel like you are doing that even though you're not funny. So thank you so much for... Um, thank you so much for doing the work that you do. I find it very important. Um, can you tell our listeners where to find you on social media? Yeah, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, where I'm not verified, and then on Twitter, where I am. <laughs> um, all under the handle of uh, Samuel J. Hyun, S-A-M-U-E-L-J-H-Y-U-N. Great. And you can follow the podcast at Harry Butthole Podcast on Instagram, or you can follow me at YM Mayor or Young Me Mayor on TikTok. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week. Bye.